All right, it's uh, two fifteen, so we're going to start the meeting. Welcome. My name is Anne. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater and your moderator for this workshop. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. Okay, before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is um, press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may purchase outside in the, in the foyer. This workshop will have three speakers, followed by, an ask a, followed by ask a basket questions. During the workshop, please keep the basket moving. So um, we need to get the basket started to move. Thank you. The topic for this session is long timers, journey traveled, and the principle is anonymity. We will begin with a selection from anonymity, page 8. To be anonymous in OA means to be one among many, to accept ourselves as no better or worse than our fellows. This acceptance places us in a state of humility. It makes us teachable. Let's welcome our first speaker, Rex. Hello, my name is Rex. I'm a compulsive overeater and exercise bulimic. Yes. Uh, I was called a couple weeks ago and asked if I would speak on a panel, and she gave me a couple of choices. And this uh, wasn't one of them, but um, I wanted, <laughs> but she says... You've been in program for 20 years, and I, uh, I go, okay, you're right. Um, so I, I wanted to pick some that I was needed some work on so I can do some research. And, uh, uh, but, but I'm so grateful I'm here. Uh, so I've been in program for 20 years. I currently have uh, nine years of abstinence. Um, so uh, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not the poster child for OA. I uh, am definitely uh, have some relapse, relapses in it. Um, my, I wanted to qualify. Uh, my top weight is approximately a little bit over 300 pounds. I didn't like to weigh myself up there, so I don't know. Uh, I went on a diet, I know, on a strict diet, and after 30 days, I weighed myself, and I weighed 285. So uh, I say 300 pounds, I don't know. But so... And uh, how I found out about OA was I got sent to rehab and uh, through the military. Uh, and uh, let me backtrack a little. So uh, I have a history of uh, from a very young age stealing food from my parents and uh, 
eating stuff in the fridge. Uh, uh, you know, uh, birthday cakes were eaten after at night. I would sneak in the fridge and carve at them, and uh, it got so bad that uh, my dad started locking foods in his room. And that would not stop me once in a while. The door was open, and I would run in there and steal something or two. And that, you know, at the time, I didn't realize that that was stealing or something. There was already a problem going on, you know. Uh, like, you know, they had to keep it away because I would uh, devour it. And uh, so, uh, and, and then I was dishonest, too, when I was approached, like, who ate all of this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so... Oh, so uh, around 10 years old, my mom took me to a dietitian, and uh, my recall of that was kind of uh, part of the process. I, I think I used to go on Fridays, and uh, she would say, well, come over here and step over here. And then she would say, oh, you're doing good, or what happened this week, or whatever. So, like, that was, that's what I, so I either was doing good, depending on what the number was saying there, or I was a bad boy. And then at that early age, I learned how not to eat a day or two prior. And I still did good, even though I had the rest of the week. Uh, so I was, you know, I I have this disease, you know. I'm like, I, I want it, you know, I want it to be good. So luckily, in a way, I found out that it's it's not a moral issue. I have a disease. And that I... I am powerless over it, you know. Um, so uh, the number on the scale uh, determined how I was for many years. Uh, I, I feel like I was a chronic uh, dieter, so I would gain weight and lose weight. And if I was losing weight, I was doing good. And uh, people would tell me, wow, look how good you look, look how good you're doing. And um, I got some validation and whatever... And uh, brief periods of maintaining, very, very brief periods of maintaining weight loss. Uh, and, uh, and then the other part would be just total of denial of what's going on. Or uh, uh, So I spoke of being in program for 20 years and having 50. Uh, I currently have nine years, but I think total I have like 15 years of abstinence if I would add up the different uh, blocks of abstinence. Um, in, uh, so I'm going to talk about how I found a way. I was, uh, I'm also an alcoholic, and uh, during a, a routine medical exam in the, in the uh, Navy, the doctor asked me, do you have a problem with alcohol? I said, no. I'm going to mention this briefly. It's because this is how I got to a way. And, of course, I said, no, I can drink just fine. No. <laughs> but... Uh, he uh, said, well, your liver ele uh, enzymes are elevated. And uh, so I go, okay. No, I don't have... He gave me a little questionnaire. Like, How many beers you drink a week? And I was like, you know, had, like several options, I put two. <laughs> 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 no, who wants to get it? Uh, so on July 5th of 1996, he called me and he said, we need to take further blood tests. And he gave me another blood test. And he said, you're intoxicated during working hours. Uh, you know, at this stage, you're going to be uh, half pay times two. You're going to lose your rank, and uh, you're going to be confined to 
uh, uh, 30 days, uh, 60 days confinement. And I was like, oh man, he told me my blood, sure, my blood uh, alcohol was 0.8, I don't remember, 0.8, I can't remember the right number, something like that, but it was definitely uh, intoxicated. And uh, so I felt I was in trouble. Um, then the, the smart doctor said, hey, you know, you have another option. The option is to go to rehab. And I was like, do I lose my pay and my rank if I go to rehab? He goes, no. And being as smart as I am, I go, okay, I'll go to rehab. Not because I want to get well, but because, uh, you know. Uh, so in rehab, luckily for me, uh, the doctor who diagnosed me there, this was up in Miramar, California. It used to be a Navy base. Now it's a Marine base. But so there the uh, doctor screened me, and, and the very intelligent doctor at the time gave me, I don't know if you guys have seen that 15 questionnaire, OA, he gave me that little one. I mean, it was in the middle of, uh, like I said, this was in July, so here I am in the middle of summer wearing a jacket, my uni uh, military uniform, because I couldn't close my pants. But the jacket would cover it up, and uh, I thought it made me not look fat, because you couldn't see. It was a big foul weather jacket, you know, and uh, uh, I didn't want to order pants through a catalog. See, the Navy Exchange doesn't have those size pants, so I didn't want to be like, have to order them. Um, on a catalog of my pants. So anyway, he gave me the 15 questions and, uh, you know, do you eat when you're sad? Do you eat when you're happy? Do you eat when you're sleeping? Do you eat when you're, you know, like whatever it was. And like, I got them all right. I go, yeah, well, what's wrong with that? I do all those things. So, so he goes, well, your primary diagnosis is alcoholic and your secondary diagnosis is compulsive overeater. You know, after therapy and stuff, you're going to go to AA meetings five times a week. And after that, are you going to go to OA meetings on Saturday and Sunday? Okay, well, whatever. You know, I mean, like, you know, whatever. I'm here. I am. I'm in the military. I have to follow orders. And uh, so, uh, so I did that. I went to AA meetings for five days, and then came the weekend, and I attended my first meeting OA in San Diego, and uh, I felt right at home there. You know, because I, I think that uh, my primary addiction. I think he had that little mix-up. I think the primary addiction was compulsive overeating, and the alcohol was uh, more of a way of me to, uh, when I drank, I could, uh, you know, go dance. I can go talk to girls or whatever. I lost, like, 50 pounds all of a sudden when I, when I oh, at least I thought I did. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, it made me more sociable. And uh, so uh, I started... So, uh, I wanted to talk about OA. So, uh, what have I done good in the 20 years? Okay, so in the 20 years, the worst thing I've done in the 20 years was leave for five years. So, that's, that's, that's the worst thing, maybe four and a half years. Um, so, the best thing I've ever done was probably consecutively come to maybe two to three meetings a week for 15 years. And uh, I was brought up atheist. And uh, one of my first sponsors told me to, he asked me, um, can you ask God to help you with your food? And I really... Uh, 
thought that was funny. I go, well, I've tried every other diet. You know, why don't I try? Because I'm an atheist. I go, okay, well, I'll ask God to help me with my food, even though I don't believe in God. So I'm like, okay, yeah. And, and then I asked them again, what did you say again? Let me write that in a little sticky paper. I did. I put it in a little yellow pad. God help me with my food. And I still actually have that in uh, uh, my little big book, the one I got at rehab. And um, so God help me with my food. It's evolved a little more since then. Um, uh, uh, step one, uh, I'm powerless over food, dash, and my life's unmanageable. Thank you. Uh, you know, that dash represents like uh, 40 years or whatever. <laughs> you know, so it's not like it's one little thing that's going to change me all of a sudden. I have a, a history of stealing at five, you know, eight years old my, from my parents and denying and uh, lying and cheating about it. Um, uh, step two, and, and then my life's unmanageable. I don't know how to live. Uh, food, food was not my problem. Uh, food was the answer to my problems. Food, food was my God. I, I went to, I was very faithful to food, you know. I was very, very faithful I, uh, you know, if I had a problem, like I said, I'm sad, I'd go to food. If I'm happy, I go to food. If I'm so, you know, food was there and it, it uh, you know, kind of uh, not very productive, mal- maladjusted uh, uh, way to deal with life, but it served a purpose. And, and who knows, maybe it saved my life. Because I, I wanted to share, too, that I, I've had some uh, uh, sexual trauma as a young boy. And uh, so... Um, who knows? Maybe it made me cope better at the time. And uh, I mentioned that because, uh, you know, before I didn't like talking about that. And that stuff came up in a way because somebody else shared about it. And I go, well, then I went to therapy and all kind of stuff has gone on. But, I mean, those are, these are things that I stuffed for 40 years. You know? And uh, so uh, step two came to believe that a power greater than myself uh, can restore me to sanity. So uh, basically I'm insane. Um, when it comes to food, I'm nuts. Uh, I love the definition of sanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, uh, so I, I became, I started, uh, I think I trusted the group and then I started to pray to a God that I didn't know existed. One of the definitions that really helped me was that uh, there's a God and it's not you. I go, okay, I can do that one. Uh, yeah, and then somebody said, well, is the sun more powerful than you? I go, yeah, probably. <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, then uh, step three is to turn my will, my life over to the care of God as I understand them. And uh, struggled with that one. Um, I want to backtrack a little. So... Been sober for coming up on 20 years, been absent in nine years. I feel like my higher power, God, said, well, let's give him one out of the two because, uh, uh, you know, poor kid, let him deal with his food. Let's just take the alcohol away from him from the get-go. And, I, you know, it's funny because I, I when I was in treatment, there was a spiritual retreat at the end that I could extend for an extra week and go to a spiritual retreat. I'm, here I am, you know, I came from the Persian Gulf, you know, and... Uh, 
I wanted to go to a spiritual retreat. I mean, like, I mean, who wants to go to, I mean, but I didn't have to go back to work <laughs> for another week. So I signed up. See, my higher power has a sense of humor, you know. Um, so I go, wow, let me, hey, can I sign up at the end? Can I sign up for that spiritual retreat? Because I'm, uh, I want to go there. I want to go up to the mountains, get some fresh air. Uh, and uh, I would say at that spiritual retreat, I had my first spiritual experience. You know, we kind of worked the, uh, back then it was called Credo. I don't know if anybody ever heard something like that. But, and uh, one of the exercises was to go out and find a higher power and, uh, I don't know, I hugged a couple of trees. I remember we had to go out and do some stuff. And, uh, but I had my first spiritual experience. Uh, there was a little... Uh, little chapel and I couldn't sleep that night the first night there at this uh, spiritual retreat thing I went up there and uh, the door was open so I went in the chapel and I got down on my knees and uh, you know I asked God to relieve me of the alcoholism you know and uh, well I haven't drank in about 20 years but I wish I would have you know at that time would have said relieve me of compulsive overeating at the same time 20 years ago but uh, I didn't and and not that I can't do it now but I meant like uh, that's a miracle. That's something that I didn't do. So, um, in program, I work step one, two. I'm, I'm not going to recommend anything I, I do. Hopefully, from my experience, you learn not to do what some of the things I did. <laughs> but I, I, I did step one, two, and three for about 10 years in program. Uh, no step four. Or I did find one once that you put little checks in the box. <laughs> And you don't really have to write too much. It was I was wow, that's a perfect step for you. Just put a little a name, and then you check the little boxes. And uh, it, that brought some some kind of uh, you know. I think the steps. Uh, the only wrong way to do the steps is not to do them at all. Uh, I recommend doing them all though. And uh, so I didn't work uh, step four through twelve for many years. So uh, I worked, uh, you know, uh, then a step four, a moral inventory of myself. Uh, I, I signed up for a men's retreat, OA retreat, and I remember I was going to meet with my sponsor and do my fifth step, and I tied up my, uh, so I got to do a fifth step up in Santa Barbara um, at a men's retreat. My first fifth step uh, What was that? I don't know, many years ago, ten, uh, nine years ago or so. And uh, I remember when I was getting my fist up, my sponsor was like taking little notes, and I was like, what the hell he's talking and doing, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then I shared some of my deepest, darkest secrets, and then he shared some of his stuff, and his stuff was a lot worse than mine. So I was like, my God, you know, I'm not that bad of a guy after all, you know. And then I, you know, and then he said, well, I was just taking some little notes that you might need to make some amends here and there and there and there. And I was like, okay, good. So uh, that was my first fifth step since, I mean, since then I've, in the last, no, well, in the last five years, I've probably done the steps three times again, Um, should, uh, would like to work them again. And um, so uh, my experience is that when I am in a way, my life is a lot better. When I show up, um, I have a food plan. I talk about when I'm struggling today, even even in recovery today, nine years later, I have days that are, uh, I wouldn't want to publicize my food, 
you know. Uh, but you know what I do do or I have done that helps? I, I go and talk about it that first meeting I go that week or whatever, you know. Like, you know what, last night I, I read and I feel kind of good and, and, you know, my sponsor, somebody, whoa, how's today? Good. You did your breakfast good, your lunch good and this. And, yeah, yeah. So it's not like not. I feel like sometimes I'm on a train and trains have like this little devices that keep it on track once in a while so they might start to deviate but it's kind of like you know, it's life yeah. um, so I don't have to derail and completely crash and wreck like I've done before um, and um, OA has saved my life and given me a life and uh, what I really like about this program after being stable in it for a while and maintaining a, a healthy body weight for quite a few years is that it made me look at other areas of my life. I've seen people work this program that have had that have worked such a great OA program that they've been able to address other issues in their life. You know, and uh, for me, I've actually had to look at other programs. You know, and I have a therapist. And uh, I heard once this, that you, if you only think you'll have one problem, you may still be in denial. And uh, so that's been the case for me because, uh, you know, maybe uh, I've been abstinent for nine years and I haven't uh, been in a relationship for uh, six or seven years. Maybe I should start looking for some help in that area. Maybe my food's good, but maybe in the relationship area. I can have a little higher power sign in that area too and do a little more trusting and have a little more faith. So I think that the, the you know, being stable in one of my core addictions has let me look at other light, shine light in other areas in my life. And that's what's so wonderful about OA, you know. I've heard people that have had everything in OA. They found their job in OA. They found their wife in OA or husband in OA. Not that I'm saying that that's what I would like to do, but I mean, if that happens, it happens. But I mean, like, it, I've seen people, like, people, uh, my sponsor's wife dies, people's spouse die, you know, people lose their jobs, people wreck their cars, people get cancer, and they're abstinent, and they, uh, and my time is up, but it, it was such a pleasure to speak here tonight. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rex. Um, our second speaker is Cher. Be careful on those steps. Hi, everybody. I'm Cher. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Cher. And you're probably wondering why I'm wearing a jacket, because it's pretty warm in here. But I heard that it was cold <laughs> in these rooms. So I wore my jacket, and I wore my bathrobe and and I wore my boots and I wore hang on just a second I wore my hot pants from 1970 <laughs> I was in a program that starts with the letter that goes like this, and um, uh, I, I lost a considerable amount of weight, 
and I bought two hot pan outfits, one of which was this, and I only fit in the hot pan outfits for, I think the maximum was like one month. Then I gained all that weight back, and that was when, back in the days when you had to eat liver once a month, or once a week, once a week. And it was so awful that I blended it up in the blender, and I mixed a whole bunch of stuff with it just to get it down. But I lost the weight, and I fit in the hot pants for a month. So then I did not wear these hot pants again until I was 65. So I wore them on the closing day of, I, I live at Tahoe, and I ski and snowboard at Heavenly, and I wore them on the closing day because it's always costume day. So I wore my, with my snowboard boots, and anyway, I had a great time. Um, so I wanted to tell you, though, that I still did a lot of experimenting after the hot pan saga. Uh, I didn't get to OA until 1988, and I just had my 28th anniversary of coming to OA on the 21st. I'm very happy that when I heard that invitation to you, it rang so true to me. I just, I remembered that one line about to deal with our inner turmoil, and when I heard that, I just thought, oh my God, that's my problem. I've got all this inner turmoil. And I don't know how to deal with it other than sticking stuff in my mouth constantly. I mean, I would start out great in the morning. And then by, like, after, right after breakfast, I was like, every 10 minutes, I was popping something in my mouth. So I was, I was never huge. I was just a Grazer, I had to stick stuff in my mouth all the time because I had so much inner turmoil. So um, I got to OA um, through another program like Rex, um, and I, as somebody told me about it, because I didn't even know I was going to couples meetings, AA and Ellen on couples meetings, and I didn't even know about OA, but I know that. They had potlucks, and every Saturday night, I had another diet that I was on, a new, this is a new one that's really supposed to work. So um, she, this one gal said, have you ever heard of OA? And I said, no, you know, and so I went, and I was going to go to another, another program where you pay money and you get their food and all that, and, um, and I, I went and got weighed, and found out how much weight I had to lose. And then I'm driving down the road from that, and all of a sudden it like dawned on me, oh, I think that OA meeting, this is a higher power. I swear to God, this, this made me know there's a higher power because I drove down that road and went directly to that shopping center where that OA meeting was, that meeting was at noon. I drove there, I parked, I walked up the stairs, and there's the meeting. And that's where I heard what I needed to hear. 
this is a place where I belong. It's OA. And I've never left. I've been here 28 years. I go to four meetings a week. I am a sugar addict, so I don't eat sugar. I've been off sugar for, with a few few short-term experiments, thinking that maybe I can handle it now. I've been off sugar for, like, it's going to be 27 years next month. Um, I, I also don't eat um, flour, and I don't eat corn. And those are the main things that I avoid because they don't work for me. Every time I try to eat them in moderation, I fail drastically and dramatically. So um, another thing that uh, has been helpful besides four meetings a week is um, I started doing service, and I did quite a bit of service, and I'm really happy that I got into um, that uh, at the intergroup level and at the Region 2 level. And then I took a break for a little while, and now I'm back into service at the intergroup level. And I really do appreciate um, the fact that OA has helped me in so many ways, not just with the compulsive eating, but also uh, having the experience of, you know, like doing planning events. That's what I did when I was in OA. And... and um, it was such a it was such a gift for me because I was basically a kind of a shy person or didn't really have a whole lot of experience with things and doing these um, planning these conventions and assemblies was just wonderful wonderful for me um, so I I really uh, uh, encourage anybody. <laughs> To get into service, you know, I think that's really important. Um, I think uh, another aspect of uh, staying off of um, sugar and flour and and um, corn for me has been um, the I think the clarity. You know, it just it gave me a lot more clarity of mind because when I was into um, went to those kind of foods that don't work well for me, I just felt foggy all the time in a continual state of fog, couldn't think well. And so I'm, you know, I'm really delighted with um, that. Uh, I think that having done it for so long, it's, it's really interesting for me. And I don't, you know, sugar's not a big issue for everybody, but it certainly is with me, um, that... Now it's gotten to the point, uh, and it has for the last few years, that I can't stand it. I don't like it on my fingers. I hate if I'm cooking anything that has it in it. It's like I've got to wash my hands. I, I just don't like the feel of it. I feel like my skin is absorbing, and it's really strange. Um, and uh, so I... Um, I'm just uh, totally grateful for OA, and uh, another thing that I did was um, I started uh, I started committing my food by emailing it. Actually, it started with uh, telephone calls. What I ate that day, you know, I do it at night, and I started. Um, my mom 
uh, passed away five years ago, and she would have been uh, 100 in November. And so it was 10 years ago. It was 1990 because she was having her, I mean, it was 19, what? I mean, 2000, <laughs> 2006. She uh, was having her 90th birthday party, and I remember uh, calling, I had to call my sponsor at that time at 6.20 in the morning. And so I did. I called her, and she asked me to meditate for two minutes, set the timer, because I thought, oh, meditation, ah, I can't do that. And it was so hard, like two minutes seemed like forever. I was just like, I think almost hyperventilating. It's like, when is, when is this time going to be up? And I got used to it, and then I started doing it more frequently, and more. Um, uh, I felt more relaxed with it, and felt the, the benefits. You know, a lot of people say that if you're praying to God, you're talking to God. If you're meditating, you're listening. And meditation was really cool. I, I got a lot out of it because it would make me, it would slow me down enough that I would think of things in my meditation that, things that I needed to take care of that I completely forgot about. It was funny, you know, it was a, um, it, that's how it worked for me. And so I'm a big proponent of that, although it's really easy to get out of the habit. And I do get out of the habit sometimes. Like for traveling, I get out of the habit, and then I have a hard time getting back into it. But I love it when I'm doing it. Another thing I do is yoga every morning. I really like yoga a lot. Um, and, you know, I just feel like there's this, this program, if anybody here is struggling with um, their food or, or life in general, um, this has an answer for everything. You can use everything for, with this program. So um, another, another aspect of it is um, relationships with family and, um, and friends. And I'm very blessed to have um, a good relationship with my three kids and all my grandkids. I just had the little six-year-old for the last week, so I didn't really, didn't really have time to prepare something for today. Uh, because she's constant movement, movement, constant. She's just, you know, I take her to the beach. You want to go to the beach like every day. So I take her to the beach, and she's just, no, no toys. I didn't even think about bringing any sand toys. I don't think we have any anymore anyway. But she just run back and forth along the beach, just run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and digging in the sand and throwing rocks and, and just having a great old time. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, if I tried to follow that child around and do what she did, I'd really be dragging myself. I dragged myself even not following her around. It's, it's amazing how much energy a little kid has. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I have such a good relationship with, um, with my family and uh, my husband has been my challenge. He's 31 years sober, and he's 
still a little bit of a challenge for me. So that's why OA is still good. It works well for dealing with those challenges. Um, and uh, I guess uh, I guess I just want to you know reiterate how grateful I am with uh, everything that this program has given me. Um, this this year I decided that I was going to ski and snowboard a hundred times. Well, I didn't make it. I got ankle tendonitis, so I didn't make it, but I got 87 days. <laughs> I was really happy about that. That's a big victory, because I'm old. I'm old and wrinkled up. and <laughs> Anyway, now I'm water skiing. That's great fun, too. And I don't know how long, much longer I'm going to be able to do those sports, but I wouldn't be doing either one of them if I was still out there with the food. It would just be hell like it was. It was... I mean, it just it almost makes me tear up to think about how, how miserable I was for quite a long time. Um, so uh, I, I was supposed to give my statistics um, about weight loss, and because I never was really, really heavy, I was wearing a size 16 pants that were really tight. I mean, they just squished my stomach, and um, and I've lost, I've maintained um, a 45-pound weight loss. So I'm happy about that. Um, so thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I'm not sure what else to say. It's, am I almost out of time? Five minutes. Well, I think, I think I've taken up enough time. And I thank you very much for being here and for listening to us, and uh, especially for OA. Thank you. All right, now we're ready. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, Cher. Now we're ready for our third speaker, who is Judy. So I will turn it over to you. on that. How can I follow the hot pants? <laughs> Whoa. My name is Judy and I am a real compulsive overeater. Hi, Judy. Hi. Um, oh my God. I look around this room and there are people that have known me more than half my life. And um, I better not look at you because I'm going to start crying. <laughs> anyway, I brought Kleenex just in case. Um, well, I, I've been in the education biz for over 40 years, and so I always have to be a student and, and really pay attention to things. So when I agreed to do this uh, workshop, I noticed that the spiritual principle um, was anonymity. So I, I did look up some stuff and try to... You know, I wanted to consider that, so I want to remember and include that as part of my talk. 
But um, let me give you some background for those of you who don't know me. And there are people in this room that don't know me. And for those who do, I apologize if you have to listen to some things you've heard already. But I came into Overeaters Anonymous. Well, let me back up. Um, I've been a compulsive overeater since my whole life. I, I don't know when people say they talk about people being normal eaters. To me, this is normal. It is not normal to me to leave food on your plate. It is. I, I'm always. I'm still amazed when I, you know, walk past tables in a, in a restaurant and people have left really decent food on the plate. I don't. I don't understand that. I mean, that whatever works, but um, that. That never worked for me. I, I was brought up to be a member of the Clean Plate Club, and um, I'm still a member in good standing, I have to say. Um, my dad would say that from the time I was a little baby, everything went into my mouth. Everything. Um, electric cords, once a razor blade. I mean, I just, you know, I, it was always about oral. You know, I had to have things in... And I had to eat, so, and um, I remember just one real quick story. I remember I was about five or six years old, and we were t traveling by train from Phoenix, Arizona, back to Chicago, where we lived, and it was in the spring, so my mom bought my brother and me each one of those chocolate things with the ears, you know, it was that time of year. I was so excited, because she rarely gave us candy. So I took a big bite out of it. Now, I'm five, six years old at the time. It had coconut in it. And coconut is probably one of the very few things on this planet that I cannot stand. <laughs> I still remember that intense feeling of disappointment, you know, as I spit that thing out and realized I was not going to be able to eat this thing. We're talking 60 years ago, and I still remember that feeling. Um, that just, that didn't, you know, that hasn't changed. So I spent my whole life um, dealing with, my, my weight was, I was the identified patient in my, in my family. My mom was thin. My mom had great self-control, always. You know, she, she would say, well, just eat half a sandwich. Well, now there is a novel concept, Mom. <laughs> If I could have, I would have. Um, that just wasn't possible for me. My brother was very, very thin, and he would say things like, well, in Russia, you would be considered a very beautiful woman. <laughs> you know, I'm, so I always. And I look at pictures of me when I was in high school. I was not morbidly obese, not at all. I was probably wearing a size 14 or something like that. But I felt huge, and my mom would take me to diet doctors very early on. Bless her heart. She did it because she, she wanted me to be happy. You know, she also took me to have my nose fixed when I was 16 because she thought it would help my self-esteem. So it just made me less conscious about my nose. It didn't do a whole lot for my self-esteem. Um, that's an inside job. Anyway, so fast forward. I was, I always had friends. I had a good life. Thank you. Um, in my mid-twenties, I was fortunate enough to go teach overseas. I was there for four years, and I made wonderful lifelong friends, some of whom I saw a couple years back in Washington, D.C. 
And what that made me realize is I, I've heard people in this program say, I'm not the person I used to be. You know, I'm still the person that I was then. I'm, I'm just a more edited version of it. You know, that was the rough draft, I think. But I'm, st I'm still me, and I still have those parts of me that I had then. And I am a better version of myself now, I believe. Um, now I can take personal responsibility for things that I need I need to step up and say, I'm sorry, or I don't know. I never, ever did that in my life. I was, I was a victim. I was, you know, you hear the expression about Velcro wrist, you know? I was a martyr. Um, I learned that very well from my mom, and, and um, that's how I lived my life. I was a victim. I was a reactor to what other people did, and usually I felt they did it to me. So I came back from Germany. I was 28, and I went to New Jersey. And I, had a, I had a great job in New Jersey, and I couldn't stop eating. Um, I've always been a volume eater, and I always wanted to get the most from my calories and my money, so I've never tasted gourmet chocolates. I've never tasted you know, really fancy kinds of foods because, like I said, I wanted the most for... For, for my money and my calories, and I was always on a diet, so I was always watching the calories. So a friend suggested I go to an OA meeting, and I went to one OA meeting. It was not even in a church. It was in a school, and they said a prayer, and they asked me, you know, what was my name? So they could welcome me, and I said, Judy, and they said, hi, Judy. I felt like, you know, I was going to be taken over. I really thought it was a crazy Christian cult group, and I left. And I went to a pay-and-way program. Um, I knew the problem. The problem was that I was in New Jersey, and I needed to get back out west. You know, that was going to fix it. So, I mean, I pulled major geographics. You know, I went from Phoenix to Germany to New Jersey, and, and then I ended up in San Francisco got a great job in San Francisco, I couldn't go farther west. And I still couldn't stop eating. And um, someone who I thought had lost a lot of weight in Weight Watchers, it was a second cousin of mine, he said, no, I lost my weight in Overeaters Anonymous. And so he said, I said, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it again. So um, I went to the Monday night meeting at Old First Church. <laughs> Some of you know that meeting. <laughs> That was, that was a very, very big, large meeting. And my cousin said to me, go to the meeting, get a sponsor, get a food plan, and call me when you get home. And I said, okay. And I did. I did those things because I had, as someone mentioned earlier, G-O-D, the gift of desperation. And I was so desperate. I was desperate because I wanted to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And how out of proportion is that? You know, I was so obsessed with myself. My value as a human being was determined by the size of my thighs. I mean, it, it, it's, it's very sad where the disease takes us. At least it was very sad where it took me. I had a great life. I had a lot of friends. And I was, I was desperately depressed and miserable. So I went to my first meeting. It was President's Day weekend, 1981. It was that Monday. And um, I never left. So I've been in Overeaters Anonymous over half my life. 
Thank you, God. God, I'm sorry this is being recorded. There are people in this room that have sponsored me. There are people in this room that I have sponsored. Um, it, just, it just fills my heart. Anyway, um, so the, underneath it's at Long Timers, it's a, the journey traveled. And it has been a journey um, because that's what life is. And um, just like, like most of us, I've had, I've had those bumps in the road. I've had ups and downs. Um, I've had times that were harder than other times. I, um, I've always, I've always, thank you, I've always stayed in the program, and I've never, ever, ever stopped. I'm one of those people who follows a fairly structured, I will say structured, I don't say rigid, because to me it's not rigid. To me it's very freeing to eat the way that I eat. But there's a lot of foods I believe I'm very sensitive to. I'm also a all-or-nothing kind of gal. And, you know, I'll just say an example. One example, I don't eat potato, because I would never go out and binge on a baked potato. But if I can eat a baked potato, I can eat chips. Eventually, I will be eating chips or french fries. And um, then I'm off to the races. So it's just, it's just much easier for me. So it works for me. You know, a lot of people don't follow the food plan I follow, and that's just fine. I have no problem with anybody else's food plan. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with mine for me. works for me. So um, there was a point I was going to there, but I don't remember what it was. Anyway, so let me go to anonymity here. And in, in the 12 and 12, the OA 12 and 12, you know, Tradition 12 says anonymity is the spiritual foundation. Um, and one of the things that I, I underlined was it is essential that all of us understand and respect anonymity if OA is to survive and we are to find recovery here. I believe that very strongly. One of the things I love about this program is that um, I'm just... I'm just another compulsive reader, like all of you guys, you know? Um, this isn't the best example because um, I'm standing up here in front, of, in front of you, but someone pointed out to me that, think of it as a, you know, it's a round table. I sit at the table with everybody else. I'm just the same as everybody else. It's not like there's some boss out in front standing up talking to you or talking to me. But, um, and I really, I really like that. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Um, I don't need to know that. Sometimes I do know it, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Because when it comes to our reason for being here, you know, I'm here because I am a compulsive overeater to the cellular level. And I need this program for my survival. So I also underlined, in OA, we're all on equal footing, reduced to helplessness by our compulsive eating, and freed to recover by this miraculous program. And that's really helpful for me. But I also like that it points out anonymity is not the same as secrecy. You know, and uh, uh, I think that's really important to remember. But we have found through years of experience that the principles of OA are failure-proof. Isn't that wonderful? They're failure-proof. 
the solid bedrock upon which we can construct meaningful lives. And um, I've seen people go through life's tribulations in this program, things that I don't, I don't know, I don't think I could handle it with the grace that I've seen other people handle handle things in this program, handle disease, handle loss. Um, I spent the last three years, um, up until September, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, taking care of my father, living with my father. I was his primary caregiver. And I really, really loved my dad a lot. We were very good friends. And, and he was, mentally he was absolutely fine. Physically he was not. And I'm telling you, most of you know, watching your parents age is not for sissies. And um, it's a challenge that many, many of us have gone through and are going through. And it was really hard. But they have very good Overeaters Anonymous program in Phoenix, Arizona. And that saved my ass, I'm telling you. You know, um, Phoenix, I, I didn't like being in Phoenix. <laughs> at all, and I'm really, really happy to be back home in Sacramento, but, um, but the program is wherever I need it, you know, um, and, and that was really important to me. So my dad did pass away um, the end of July, and I'm back and going through transition, getting used to being a retired person, um, getting used to being an orphan, getting used to all those kinds of, of stages of life, and looking ahead because I'm not sure what's coming down the pike. So I think I may close a few minutes early um, because I, maybe we'll maybe we'll have time to hear from. Do we have shares during this session? Questions. We have questions. Okay. Anyway. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Stay. Okay. Okay, take one of the chairs. So if I can get the other two of you to oh, come I up. Oh, I see. I can do that. Yeah, we're asking them all to be up here because we do not want them going up and down those stairs. They're treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> she just said, come on, hot pants. <laughs> okay. So I kind of tried to group the questions that had come in the Ask a Basket. So the first one um, is, what is the one thing you would tell a youngster in a pro in program to be sure to do? Which of you would like to talk to that one? I would say the most important thing is to keep coming back, talk to people, um, find a sponsor, get active, um, and try not to listen to your mind because, you know, I've heard people say this, and, and I, it's absolutely true for me. My mind is not my friend. And I make it a habit never to go in there alone. Yeah. So I think that's important. Yeah, it's a dangerous neighborhood. Thank you. So I think that that's one thing to, to really remind people, and that you're not alone, and that there isn't a thing that you 
can say or do that you have done with food that somebody else hasn't done before you. So keep coming back. Thank you, Judy. Okay, um, what is harder today than in the early days of your recovery? Who would like to address that? Yes, yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to make amends later. <laughs> okay. We don't want to waste time, so. And um, I think a lot of things are harder. Um, I was far more desperate when I started. I was far more desperate. As somebody um, dear to me says, I was up against the wall and the wall was on fire. And um, that's how I felt. And I was willing to go to any lengths. Um, you know, now I, for, I forget that sometimes because I'm so used to doing things the way that I do them and, and taking for granted some of the, the aspects of the program. All right, go ahead, Rex. Okay, so they handed me a couple Please. questions and uh, some to share. So uh, the first one says, how do you keep your program uh, fresh? So I think the best thing that helps me is sponsoring people. And uh, I really have a passion for the newcomer that walks in the door. So I make it a real big point to go up to them and uh, shake their hand and at least say, welcome, please come back. And... Uh, because that helped me out immensely. Do we want to do one and one? Uh, I think they're all okay. similar. Okay, so uh, so working with newcomers has always been uh, a way to keep my program fresh and reminds me. Um, how has your program changed as you've aged in a way? Um, well, I think oh, uh, in the beginning, uh, I had the character defect of perfectionism, and that took me out of the program really quick. Um, so that was, now today I'm more kind and loving to myself and more compassionate to myself. And uh, so uh, so that's what's changed in a way. I, I don't, I'm not a perfect, I don't do anything perfect, I don't think. I, I do have a program and I do have a food plan and I'm abstinent and I'm uh, maintaining uh, a healthy weight, and uh, and I think one of the big things that's changed a lot is the uh, being able to immediately identify, well, the best of my ability where I'm struggling and talk about it. Like I kind of ate a lot last night. I mean, I didn't eat my sugar or anything or whatever, but just going there and talking about it and talking to somebody. And not ashamed. I'm a, I'm a compulsive overeater. What else do you think I'm going to do? I mean, that's that's like default for me. So, but today I can uh, you know actually share about it, and it goes away. I mean, it's like I don't need to hold on to some shame that I, uh, whatever. Or so I think the difference is that today I'm like just loving, caring, and go. Hey, you know, let me talk about this because it's bothering me. Um, so the last one. Okay, the last one. 
Oh, uh, and this one's kind of the same. So how do I keep recovery fresh? I think uh, I shared earlier that I worked the steps on a pretty continuing basis. I, I think it's probably been a little over two years since I've worked the steps, and I've been struggling to start. None of the step studies have started in my area, working my schedule yet. But um, but it doesn't mean I can't work the steps with a sponsor. So I think uh, it's a good question for me. Thanks. Okay, um, this question is with respect to being a long-timer, which area has been your biggest challenge? Physical, emotional, spiritual? Well, I'd say probably emotional um, has been my biggest challenge um, because of having the challenge with my husband. <laughs> that's um, That's been... Uh, in, an interesting involvement, um, and uh, as as with um, the emotional involvement, also um, um, my food over a period of time has evolved as well, and I I struggled for a long time with um, eating three meals and nothing in between. When I got to OA, that's what was recommended to me by my sponsor, and um, and then I found that you know I could just start adding a little here and a little there, and then those snacks evolved into a lot bigger than I wanted them to. So I struggled for quite a few years, and then about a year and a half ago. I decided to go back to three meals with nothing in between, and um, and I found a whole lot of freedom in that. That it's it's amazing to me how long I can, how many hours I can go without eating, and what I have to do is that I you know like I have to plan it out because I was coming here, I was driving from you know it was a four hour drive. And so I had to schedule it, um, what I do every day. I have to schedule when I'm going to eat breakfast because I don't want too many hours to elapse because I think I'll faint and die. And, um, and then realizing that I had this workshop and then I also um, have another um, mar marathon meeting also. Um, so figuring out uh, when to schedule those meals. Um, and, and I think um, what's, uh, what's really been important, too, is um, emailing my sponsor every single night. I, in the beginning, as I said, I, I made a phone call every day and committed either committed my food for a week. That was like torture. But now, it's, now I just email my sponsor every single night, tell her what I've eaten that day, and there's a lot of freedom in that, I find, too, that um, once, once you email and once it comes out of the closet, so to speak, you can let it go. If it wasn't perfect, it wasn't perfect. You can let it go and start again, you know. So um, I have been uh, really uh, diligent about not eating in between meals, I, with the exception of I do have a piece of fruit in the morning, and then I have breakfast like around 11 o'clock. That works for me. So, um, 
what has changed over time in your physical, emotional, spiritual recovery? That's that's pretty much same same question. So thank you. What has kept you coming back if you ever felt like leaving away? I've never felt like leaving away. I can't even begin to comprehend what it would be like to not have my higher power, um, not have the 12 steps as a guide to live my life. So that has, that has made it possible for me to live my life. Um, I don't know about you, but I, there are a lot of things that happened in the last 30 years that I never would have planned or that didn't happen that I kind of planned on. <laughs> and um, without my higher power and the steps, you know. Um, I also think, again, not listening to my mind, you know. Um, just because my mind says, you don't need a meeting, that's a good time to go to a meeting. So um, I would say just keep coming back no matter what your mind tells you. I got a question here, and it, it says, uh, Rex, I have a meal plan thing down, but uh, how do I know how much more, if any, shall I eat when I exercise? Um, this is a good question, because I don't know if I, I addressed it, uh, um, Rex, and I'm an exercise bulimic, too. So uh, for me, um, I don't change my food plan very much at all. I uh, I, I'm, I just turned 55, and... Uh, so I, uh, as an exercise bulimic, uh, I uh, currently uh, mostly do yoga, and the days I don't do yoga, I may uh, just go for a 30-minute walk, but uh, it's, it's important for me to, to go out. So I've done some uh, weight training and uh, stuff that tears on muscles, so I've, uh, and I'm not a nutritionist, but, you know, I heard that protein are like building blocks, and uh, uh, so maybe consult a nutritionist or something, uh, but I've had mixed feelings. I, I don't want to get too long into this, but I, I don't change my food at all when I uh, work out or not, and, and it, it's funny because I've, as an exercise bulimic, I had to stop exercising for a while and I thought something was going to happen and nothing happened. Thank you. Um, this question is, do you ever fall into the trap of thinking I can do this on my own now? without program, how do you move past that? Well, I, I'm very clear about I can't do it on my own. I need uh, the program and I need a higher power and I guess that's why I go to four meetings a week. It seems a little excessive to my husband who thinks that I don't have a problem because I've maintained my weight for quite a few years. Um, but I mean, I know I do and um, and I I rely on a power greater than myself. Uh, even even with something like speaking today, you know, I I just asked my R power to help me because I didn't prepare anything. Um, and one thing that I realized that my higher power forgot was to help me remember to talk about anonymity. 
And for the principle of anonymity, for me specifically, I'm, I'm not so concerned about my own anonymity um, because OA has helped me so much uh, that I'm that I'm very proud of being in OA and I'm very proud of being a compulsive eater. Um, and so I share that with, you know, I, I was just at the hearing center at Costco because I have bad ears. And um, she asked uh, what convention I was going to. So I, I have no problem telling her Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, people always say, well, what are you in that for? And, you know, it just... It's it's a it's a way to educate people because I didn't know about OA uh, twenty whatever twenty eight years ago I didn't know so um, did I answer the question yeah okay thanks all right that's the end of the questions that we had so um, it's time now to close the session please stand and join hands. And we'll close with uh, with the OA's promise. I put my hand in yours. Okay. Yeah, they are.